Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it's so good to see everybody. And I, like Casey was saying earlier, just if this is your if this is your first time with us, we're so grateful that you're here. Uh, at the end of service, if it is your first time with us, if you want to go across the lobby into our welcome center, we have a little something for you. Uh, we got some folks who would love to meet with you, share with you a little bit about the life of our church and and how you can get plugged in. If we haven't met, my name is Joe, and I am one of the pastors here. And uh, today. We're beginning the new series. We're beginning the new series, and uh, it's going to be primarily focused in the book of Philippians. And uh, so today, we're going to begin by reading in Philippians chapter 1. And so if you happen to have your Bible with you, Philippians is about 95 to 98% of the way through your Bible. Um, It is a, a Pauline epistle. So it is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that he helped found. But it also is one of his prison letters. And, and Paul wrote this while he, was in, while he was in chains for his faith and for standing up for Christ. Paul was in prison, um, being held captive by the Romans, and, um, and he wrote these letters. And, and it's an amazing thing because the overarching theme of the book of Philippians is that regardless of life circumstances, we can have joy. And Paul wrote this from a place where joy was probably not at the forefront of most people's minds. So, but we're going to begin here again in Philippians chapter one, verse three through six. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. I want to take a moment and I want to pray for us. And I ask that you, as I pray for you, that you pray for me and, and each other. That in this moment, that the, for the next few minutes, that the noise of this world just gets drowned out. That we can spend this time sitting in the presence of God, feeling His love, feeling His presence, and learning from His Word. So Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I thank you for the opportunity we have to learn from you. Uh, to learn from the ultimate source of wisdom, life, hope, and faith. And, and Lord, I pray today that the noise is of this world is just set aside for a moment. That whatever happens to be going on, that we can lay it at your throne and learn from you um, before we have to walk out these doors. And I pray that, Lord, as we walk out these doors later, that we, are, that we walk out with a different confidence. A confidence not in ourselves, but in who lives inside of us. And so, Lord, I pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. So when I was growing up, I grew up in the day and age um, that that a lot of people in this room grew up in, of the greatest sketch comedy ever. Okay? Now, I used to get up in the middle of Saturday night after my parents were in bed and sneak out and watch TV, thinking they didn't know what was going on. They knew. I'm a parent now. I know that they knew. But... I grew up in the day and age where we laughed at Chris Farley while he was living in a van down by the river. I laughed at Jim Carrey being the very worst fire marshal that there has ever been. And Martin Lawrence being an old security guard named Otis. But I also would occasionally laugh at something else. When I would go visit my grandpa or my uncle Kermit. uh, Yes, his name was Kermit. He was also six foot five, so nobody said a word. Um, and, um, we would, we would watch sketch comedy that they said was a variety show, but it wasn't. It was sketch comedy. It was just a little more country. 
We watched this show called Hee Haw. And we'd listen to Roy Clark play the banjo and the fiddle. We'd laugh at Minnie Pearl and somebody named Stringbean. And, and, you know, in that time, there was this song that they sang. And it's been on my mind a lot as we've been preparing for this series on joy. And so I'm going to have some fun for just a moment. I hope it's fun for you. I know it'll be fun for me. So just go with me for a minute. So there was this song, and they used to sing it, and it went a little like this. It goes, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. And then they would say, you know, my luck is so bad that I went into this new town, and I got ran over by the welcome wagon. And you see, and while it was funny watching these guys... While it was funny watching these guys do what they did, by, make, by laugh about their life and play their jugs and their, and their fiddles and things, there was something kind of sad about that. And I think that song was a little bit ahead of its time. And I think the reason that this has been heavy on my heart lately and been in my mind is because when I look around and I, you know, and I'll occasionally watch the news or I'll look at things online, and it seems like the world is living in this where, in a way where a lot of people are gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, and excessive misery, and it feels like that they've accepted that this is just the way it's supposed to be. The John Tyson. A pastor in New York City calls this languishing. I love this word. It's a big word. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a, it's a powerful word. He says it's, it's that spot in between, well, I know that life could be worse, but not a lot worse. And I don't believe that it could probably be any better. And we just accept that this is life. This is what's going on. And we sit and we feel sorry for ourselves. It's this spot of languishing. But you know, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And my prayer for, the, for this week and the next two weeks is that like Paul said earlier, we could, we could face this with a new power. We could pray with a new power. We could stand with a new power. And that power comes from who lives inside of us. And that power and the answer to languishing is joy. That we can pray and with joy and face life with joy regardless of the circumstances. Now listen, it is not lost on me or any of us in this room that this world is hard. It's not lost on me that sometimes it can feel like the weight of circumstances can rob us of our joy. It can kill our happiness and destroy our outlook on life. It can feel like we're fighting a battle that we cannot win. And truthfully, on our own, we can't. On our own, we'll fall victim to any or all of the three weapons of the enemy of God who is contending for our temporary lives and our eternal souls. He fights us and he fights and he knows our weaknesses. And he has three weapons that I believe we can all fall victim to at times. And the three weapons of the enemy are division, distraction, and discouragement. They're all founded in deception because he is the father of all lies. But we can fall into the, into the lie that says, I have to be against my brother. 
that because we don't see eye to eye on this one thing that we have to be divided. It's a, it's a lie that leads to division. And all of us can look around and say we've seen this in the last few years. That distraction that we get that there that we believe a lie that says this this is no longer the main thing that this little thing over here whether it be our happiness or a temporary circumstance is the main thing when in all honesty it's no it, it is temporary it is not eternal but it can it can distract us from the main thing or it can discourage us by telling us we are less than the Father in heaven says that we are. The lies of the enemy he uses. They're the tools he's fighting for the temporary lives of those of us who do know Jesus and the eternal souls of those who do not. For those who know Jesus, these are meant to drive us to accepting that languishing when joy is available. For those who don't know Jesus yet, it's meant to drive them away from ever knowing him at all. This is what the enemy wants This is the primary objective of our enemy, keeping us from experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus Christ alone offers. And Scripture speaks about this. It lets us know that by watching the life of Jesus, who was tempted in every way that we are, we have to remain on guard. We have to remain on guard. He says that the enemy of our soul is out to rob us of true life. John 10.10 says the thief, that's the enemy, comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But you see, friends, it doesn't end with that. Because there is an answer to it. It continues, says, but I have come, that's Jesus. That you may have life and have it to the full. You see, there is an answer to languishing. There is an answer to the lies of the enemy. And it's full life in Jesus Christ. Life to the full, life abundant, life that stands out. See, we all have life. It's just a matter of what we do with it and how we live it. Charles Spurgeon, I think, does, says this incredibly well. He says, life is a matter of degrees. All have life. Some have life, but it flickers like a dying candle. Others, have, others are full of life, and it is bright, defiant, and full of great joy and power. You see, there is an option But it's our decision. But that word defiant, that's a big word. I understand. That's almost almost an aggressive word. It's it's a word that, that, you know, most of the time we look at and it's like, all right, I'm going to stand in defiance and come on, bring it. Let's let's see what happens. You know, this is different. This is a, a, it's a word that's used on purpose and it's a word that I believe is apropos for what we're talking about today. But it's a word that, that stands up and says, no. Like, like, I'm not the one who's going to fight you. The one who lives inside of me is. And you don't stand a chance. You see, defiance is the proud and determined opposition against an enemy. It's standing up and saying no more. Not because of me, but because of he who lives inside of me. No, you won't get me down. No, I won't, let, I won't live this way. No, I won't allow the circumstances of life to steal, kill, and destroy the life that I have in Jesus. You see, friends, I, I, listen, on the surface, I know this sounds great to say, all right, there's this new life. But I also know that that sounds hard, especially if you're walking through something. I know that we can face circumstances. I know there are people in this building, there are people in this church that over the course of the last couple of years have lost children, have lost spouses, have lost parents, have lost loved ones. That is 
hard. There's no two ways around it. I know there's people in this room, people in this church that have lost jobs. I know there's people who have faced diagnoses that they, they were looking at and they're like, there is no way but down from here. That is hard. And it should be. And it doesn't mean that it can't affect us. It's, this, is not a, this is not joy that, that laughs at those things. That's not what this is. Because Jesus and Jesus alone did not laugh when he faced hardships. Jesus wept, so so can I. But it's a joy that stands and says, this will not define me. This will not be how I, how I carry myself from this day forward. I won't let this get me down. You see, this languishing is, it does not have to be what we accept. Paul, who I talked about earlier. Man, Paul was not just in prison when he wrote this letter. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Paul was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He had uh, people attempt to kill him. He was put on trial, put on jail. This dude had it rough. He had a hard go, but he still wrote about joy and prayed with joy. This last week, I had the absolute privilege of speaking at the memorial service for a, um, um, a man named Ed. Ed's a friend of mine. I used to take care of Ed. Ed was a 63-year-old man with, with Down syndrome. When Ed was born, he was born with a hole in his heart. He wasn't supposed to live to see 18 months. Throughout Ed's life, he had 19 major surgeries, all of which they told him when they told his parents when he went into, he probably isn't going to come off the operating table. Two years ago, um, two years ago, Ed had a brain bleed. They had to do brain surgery. This was the last surgery that they ever did for him. Um, when he came out of anesthesia, they asked him how he was doing, and his response was simple: "Happy, happy, happy. I love you." You see, you might, it's easy to think that may be the anesthesia talking. Anybody who's been in the room with someone who's been under anesthesia knows sometimes the things that come out of our mouth are interesting. I was at the hospital with Ed one day when he broke his collarbone in his arm. And, and through his tears, someone asked him how he was doing. And his response was, happy, 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 I love you. I was there when a friend, when, when one of his roommates bit a chunk out of his arm and we went to the hospital and he said, happy, 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 I love you to the doctors. You see, my friend Ed was filled with a joy that regardless of life circumstances, languishing wasn't an option. And for Paul, it wasn't either. And for us, it doesn't have to be. You see, a full life, a joy-filled life is possible and it does defy the ways of the world. But how is it possible? Friends, it begins with a gift. It begins with a gift. You see, members of God's family receive a gift. Members of God's family receive his inheritance. Members of God's family receive an eternal inheritance. The, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in Ephesians. He says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. 
Paul used the language of adoption purposefully. And it was powerful language to the Romans of the time. You see, they viewed adoption as something special. Adoption was something of great value. You see, at that day and age, you could have a child biologically, and if things didn't go so well in the Romans, in the Roman, in, in the Roman world, you could disown that child, disinherit to them, and walk away. But if you adopted a child, you were not legally allowed to do any of those things. Adoption meant a special chosen place in a family. And it was a choice that lasted from there through, the, through, through all your life and afterwards. You, had, you, you could not be removed from that family. And that, in fact, listen, it, it, it was such a big thing that, that this is the language that Paul chose to use because he wanted them to understand and he wants us to understand that if we have submitted to Jesus as Lord, that means he has chosen us to be adopted as his children. And there is no going back on that because he will never turn his back on us. And isn't there, isn't there something incredible about that? Isn't there something that just stirs in your soul when you realize I have been chosen by the king of all creation to be his child? And I have received his inheritance, an inheritance that is beyond anything any of us could ever deserve or earn. But how do we do this? How does this happen? I mentioned it just a second ago when we submit to Jesus as Lord. You see, we repent of sin and submit to Jesus as Lord to inherit the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's God inside of us, is the inheritance for those who have submitted to Jesus as Lord and given their life over to Him. The Holy Spirit, again, God inside of us, is the greatest gift we could ever receive. With Him comes the power that Scripture says is greater than any power in the world. And the constant presence of the God who is love. Luke records... The words of the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts as he speaks about this. He says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Modern day poet and singer Jimmy Needham says that if all we received was the Holy Spirit, for our temporary life it would be enough to glory for a thousand eternities. But it doesn't end there. You see, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, who is God in us, gives us the tool we need to stand out and defy defy the discouragement, division, and distraction of our enemy. With the Holy Spirit, we can stand and live a life that defies the languishing draw of this world. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit brings with it the tool we need to stand out and stand up. You see, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit gives us an inheritance of joy. And isn't there hope in this? I mean, because the languishing of this world can feel heavy. But isn't there hope that when I submit to Jesus 
as Lord. And when I receive the Holy Spirit, I receive with Him an inheritance of joy. When the world drags us down and it feels like joy is so far, so far away, we can know that because of the Holy Spirit, we can know because of the Holy Spirit that the subjective truth of our feelings are subject to the objective truth that God in us is greater than he who is in the world and he is our power source. Paul writes about this. Paul writes about this in the book of Romans, verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 13. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Circle those words for me, please. If you've got your notes out, circle those words. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, joy that comes from God is not a fleeting gift. It is not something that comes and goes with the ebbs and flows of life. Joy is an eternal gift from an eternal God who desires to spend eternity with me. Let me say this one more time. I don't want you to miss this. If you go home with nothing else today, I want you to go home with this. The joy that comes from the Holy Spirit is an eternal gift from an eternal God who wants nothing more than to spend eternity with you. This is the joy that we have been given. This is the joy that we can stand in the power of because of who lives inside of us. Every gift from God is meant for eternity because the gift giver is eternal and his love is beyond measure. You see, the inheritance of the Holy Spirit brings with it a fierce love, a love that pursues, a love that is without measure, a love that would conquer death, hell, and the grave so that we could be made right, be put in right relationship with God the Father. It is a love that when experienced, there is nothing in that the world can throw at us that cannot overcome this love because we receive it from the Father who is love. His loving inheritance is unshakable. It is eternal. And, it com- and out of it comes a great joy. You see, we experience God's love and joy through the presence of the Holy Spirit. The psalmist writes about this in Psalm 16. It says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. When we stand in the presence of God, that means when, and and we do this when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. With that comes a filling of joy because of the presence of God. And what comes out of that, guys, when we, when we have God, joy flows out of us. I have a dear friend. I have a dear friend. His name is Mike Crosby. He is a plumber down in Bonner Springs. And if you've ever met Mike, you know that if you rub up against him, Jesus rubs off because joy flows out of his pores. It's because of who lives inside of him. You see, joy emanates out of our trust in God's fierce love for us. Joy flows out of our trust in God's fierce love for us. Joy overflows out of our trust in God's fierce love for us. When we trust in the depth, width, and length of God's love for us, and we submit and receive the Holy Spirit, we also receive salvation. You see, earlier I said if this was just for the temporary life, it would be enough to glory for a thousand eternities, but it's not. It's not just for temporary life. This is eternal. 
We can say that we will, we can joy, we can glory for a thousand eternities because when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, we receive salvation, which means we will be around with God for a thousand eternities. We we immediately change our eternal destination. We gain access to the abundant life we heard about earlier and the life that Spurgeon spoke about. We receive a life that is bright, defiant, full of great joy and power. We are filled to the overflow with a joy that comes from the Holy Spirit and the promise of eternity spent with Jesus. You see, through our trust... In God's love for us, we overflow with the joy of our salvation. You see, friends, eternity, we were all created for it. Eternity with Christ begins the day we submit to Him as Lord and receive Him as Savior and are empowered with the presence and power of God in us, the Holy Spirit. And with Him comes salvation and joy and an amazing gift. The joy of our salvation is something that should drive us to our knees because it's beyond anything we could ever imagine. It's so deep, it's so life-changing that the psalmist, he cries out to God because he wants to feel that joy and have it never go away. Psalm 51, beginning in verse 10, says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You see, salvation comes from God. It is not us. It is an inheritance given when we are adopted as sons and daughters of the King. And we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And friends, there is no greater gift than the salvation of souls who did nothing to earn it. And that should lead us to great joy. And friends, this joy is not simple happiness. Don't get me wrong. This isn't walking into a bad situation and putting a smile on our face and saying, it's going to be okay. That's not what this is. Like I said earlier, there were moments when the weight of this world, because Jesus felt everything that humans felt. When his friend Lazarus died, when he was moved to tears. That wasn't a happy moment. It was a sorrowful moment. When we lose a loved one, it should move us to sorrow. But in that, that doesn't mean we don't have joy. It doesn't mean that we can't stand and say, because of the power that lives inside of me, this does not define me. I am defined by the ways of God and I will live in His steps. It is a joy. It is a, it is a way of life. It is the way we respond to the world. That's what joy is. It's the, way, it's the way we respond to the world. It says that when the enemy attacks us with distractions and tries to get us focused on whatever is not the main thing, it says, no, no, I'm going to do what Hebrews 2 says and I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. It sniffs out the divisive nature 
of, of the enemy and says that if, if, if me and, if me and Jeff are at odds, I'm not gonna let the whole, I'm not gonna let the enemy divide us because we stand together because we are one family serving one God in one body with one purpose and that is the fulfillment of the kingdom of God. It says that when the enemy comes at me, when the arrows of discouragement rain down on me and they say, no, you are not enough. No, God doesn't love you because look at the circumstances. No, if God loved you, if God really loved you, this wouldn't be going on. No, look, you failed today. It's going to be stand up and say, no, no, no. Because of Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. I am a son of the king of all creation. I can live a life that is marked with great joy, not because of me, but because of the one who lives inside of me, because he chose me and he chose you. You see, friends, that is defiant joy. And it's the joy that we receive as an inheritance from the king of all creation. It is a joy that comes as the result of the Holy Spirit taking up residence in us and changing us from the inside out. Not just changing our eternal destination, but changing the way that we live our life and changing the impact and legacy with which we will leave. My friends, over the next three weeks, I pray that as we continue to dive into this, as we continue to dive into what does it look like to receive joy? What does it mean to, to die? What does it mean when we dive into living a life marked with defiant joy, which is what the Holy Spirit gives us? And to leave a legacy of defiant joy, again, which comes when the Holy Spirit takes up residency in us and changes the course of our lives. I pray that our series big idea is something that we can all say with conviction and passion that I have received an inheritance of joy and through Christ, not myself, my life will leave a legacy of joy that defies the ways of the world. Because friends, that is what we are here for. It's not gloom, despair, and agony on me. It's joy hope, power, and the presence of the living God. So friends, as we finish up today, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for those who will be here over the course of the next couple weeks is what Paul writes about in the book of Romans chapter 15. And he says, may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we have received. If we have submitted to Jesus as Lord, we have received an inheritance that is eternal. We have received an inheritance that is the presence and power of the King of all creation. We have received an inheritance of joy. And we have the ultimate example with which to follow. You see, Jesus, for the joy set before Him, 
endured the cross. For me, for you, for your children, for your grandchildren one day, for everyone who will ever come into His presence and everyone who has ever created. He endured the cross for us. And He conquered death, hell, and the grave.